0: Everything's hard at first because everything's hard at first. You've never done it. You know what I mean? it's There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be days where you want to be like to quit. But I mean, that's the same thing in a nine to five. I think it really goes back to like failure is like more expensive and more painful than regret. Really at the end of the day, like we all want to make six figures. We want to travel the world, be our own boss. But the difference is like, when people like have that plan, some people take action on it and some people it's just kind of nice to have.
1: All right, what's going on? Aaron here, back with another episode of the Remote Closing Academy podcast. And if you are currently a business owner or you're thinking about starting your own business, whether that's Amazon FBA, dropshipping, affiliate marketing, whatever, this video is going to talk you out of it. <laughs> and that's not to say, you know, anything. If you want to start a business, hey, more power to you, definitely do it. But Today's guest, uh, not only did they start their own digital marketing agency, but they also were, you know, they're in blue collar work. They started their own roofing company and realized that they didn't want all the stress and the headaches and all the complexities that came with that and ultimately jumped into the, uh, the remote closing space. So we're going to go over the, not only that story of how he got to where he is now, but also how he went through the program, how he jumped into the RCA team and has crushed it over the last year. And to a point where in the last three months, he's been at the very top of our appointment setting team. We got really tactical of how you could potentially do the same and uh, really take action and make a you know good amount of income when you jump in and really put in the work. So with that being said, let's uh, jump into today's episode. How's the week been so far? Yeah,
0: man. Um, for one, dude, thanks for having me on, dude. I love your podcast, but yeah, dude, the week's good. I can't complain. In Indiana, the weather's good. So yeah, everything's good on my end.
1: Nice. Love it, man. So, um, you know, it, you probably, as you said, you've listened to some of the the episode. So you know that we like to go way back. We like to take, you know, a couple steps back, even you know, before you were in, you know, an appointment center, before you knew anything about sales, before you even wanted to start a business, what did what did life look like then?
0: Yeah. So um I actually kind of like got into the workforce when I was 16. So I started pretty young. And just like most typical jobs, man, I was working fast food. I was working at gas stations. You know, I was a dishwasher for a little while. And then um I kind of started to kind of stumble into like construction. And, uh, believe it or not, man, I was a chimney sweep for like a couple of years and that was a pretty little niche thing that I was doing. I thought that was pretty cool. Of course it didn't pay enough. So I had to kind of move on, keep looking around. Um, from there I got into bricklaying, did that for a couple of years. And then, um, I was in the roofing industry for like a pretty long time. I worked for a number of outfits. I did door knocking. That's kind of how I got into it, worked my way into like office management. Um, I ran a couple of sales teams and, really at the end of the day, there was just a lot of things that I didn't really agree with with a lot of the local companies. Like blue collar work, there's just a lot of shady things that go on. Um, as you know, I'm sure she probably interviewed.
1: Yeah, them. yeah,
0: 100%. And uh, I just wanted to do it right, man. Like, I remember the day where I got a call from a girl where we sold this roof. It started leaking and I went up to my manager and he told me to block. Her. Like, he told me that was like the protocol. Let's block her. Oh man. Then, yeah, man. So it's just this like, I was like, is this really how like, they're running their business and this is this really what I want to like stand behind you know like I, I didn't believe in the company and I really stopped believing in our product and um I just wanted to do it myself so at 24 I started my own roofing company did that for about three years and couldn't have picked the worst time man I started it in the height of COVID so of course like building materials were going up and it, it was just a rough ride but um at the end of the day how I got into this is I just wanted control And I just didn't have that with my business. I think a lot of people start businesses wanting to like be their own boss, create their own schedule and do all these things, but they don't realize the growing pains where you have like three to four years where everything's going back in the company. You're not taking a paycheck. You're not going on vacation and you're working like 16 hours a day, you know? So I got out of that. I saw Cole's ad. I was laying in bed one night and much like a lot of people, you know, I was kind of like, is this actually real? Is this actually like a too good to be true thing? And um, yeah, I just found myself on a very similar phone call to a lot of people, decided to move forward with it. And here we are, man.
1: Nice. So I do want to, to go back a little bit, um uh, because just, I love to get like the time frame and, or more, more or less the timeline of like how, how things kind of came, came together. So you were, you were doing like the actual blue collar work. And then when did you jump into like the agency side? So was that before or after you had, um, before or after you had started the roofing company?
0: Yeah. So yeah i always kind of been that guy, and I'm sure you probably were this guy as well, where like, I was always doing one thing and building something in the background of something. Else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, once this takes off, I don't have yeah. to do this. So when I was doing roofing, man, that was probably like 2017, 2018, where Facebook ads really, really were at like the height. Um, that's kind of when I got into it. I started doing the agency thing. That's kind of where I found you and Brian. Um, Jared was over there as well. And um, yeah, I, I was just kind of doing the agency on top of the roofing thing. That kind of pushed me out of canvassing. And then I was basically just kind of a digital marketer. That's where I had the aha moment where I was just like, why am I doing this for other people? When I literally like, I know everything about this industry. I have the people, I have the infrastructure. I just need to bring it all together and bring my own needs together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, I, you know, one of the things that I've really pulled away from pretty much every like conversation that we, that, that I've had on here is just like the, the confidence and conviction that even like you're, you're speaking right now. And I can even remember back when we, you know, when we're doing the onboarding call, um, you know, that was in 2020, was there anything like, even before, like you got into like doing the, the, you know, being in the actual blue car work, like, was there anything in your past or were your parents entrepreneurs or like, what, what, what I get, what was like that spark for you that you wanted more than just like. Playing bricks or working on roofs.
0: Um, so it's actually uh I credit a lot of it to my uncle. My uncle was always kind of like the black sheep of his family as well, where um he was a graphic designer, he was an SEO guy, he worked from home. And I was probably like, and I was probably eight or nine, but we went on a vacation to Arizona and I just saw him with this setup and like he wasn't leaving, he created his own schedule. And th- that's really all kind of shifted for me, you know. Like I was just like, yeah, I can go out into the workforce and I can get a regular job, or you know, I saw that he had built this skill set that really just made him super valuable and allowed him to like really just have a better quality of life, and I was just kind of hooked.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'm always just curious, like because everyone I feel like has that like like defining moment for them, or you know, something that they've seen in the past that kind of like uh, is almost like a trigger for them of like, okay, there is more than just working a nine to five. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, I know that listen to this, this podcast and and that's why I make it really is like to hear so many different people that have gone through that exact same journey to, to ultimately figure out, okay, I know there's more out there, but what's next, you know? So, okay. So cool. So that, that leads you into, so you have the business, I guess, what were some of the, uh, I know you talked about some of them. But, like some of the main reasons, you know, kind of imagine it as you're talking to like someone that's listening to this, is they're also like a business owner and they're just like stressed every day and they know that they're like it's not super sustainable and you know they're not really able to put their time into the things that they want to in terms of you know hobbies or family or whatever. Um, you know, what were what was really like kind of like that that breaking point for you where you're like, okay, I have all these skill sets to be a business but I'm going to pursue this other thing that, you know, this guy from the internet's talking about.
0: (laughs) It's a good question. Um, I I remember I was actually selling a roof to this girl local in my area. She's maybe like 10, 20 minutes down the road. And we just got done, like, you know, going through like the whole process. I was in her house for a couple hours and kind of pulled me aside and she was like, Jake, you could sell anything. Like, why do you limit yourself to roofs? And and like, I never thought about it, man. Like I really never sat back and thought about it, but, um, then she kind of took it a step further and she's like, are you passionate about roofs, Jake? Like do you actually like laying the roofs? Are you passionate about the granules that go into the asphalt? And that's sort of like, no, I'm passionate about helping people. And I'm passionate about like getting people an end result and kind of being that bridge. And I've always seen myself as that bridge no matter what industry I've been in, but that's really where a lot of things clicked. And I was like, you know what? Why am I limiting myself to one thing where I can expand my horizons? I can learn about some of the other industries and really just figure out like I knew I loved sales but I didn't know what kind of sales I loved, I knew I was good at it. But I never found that thing where, like, I woke up in the morning and I was like, "Oh my god, like, I could do this for the rest of my life."
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, dude. That's that's huge. It's it's having that realization of okay, yes, like I'm selling this thing. But like, number one, am I fulfilled? Number two, do I enjoy it? Well, I guess that's kind of the same thing, but kind of like, do you enjoy it and like, are you actually getting that fulfillment? It's a little bit different. But um, yeah. you know, and then and then like you said, just having just realizing and, and her almost being that like, Hmm, like, yeah, that's actually a good question. Like, is there anything else out there? So, um, that's, that's super cool. So when you, when you transition you saw the ads from Cole, I guess, what was the next steps after that? Like, I, you know, I think, cause I know you've been on the team, what, for almost a year now or a little bit over that.
0: Yeah. I think we're coming up at like 11 months, maybe 10 months. Somewhere. Okay. Nice. Uh-huh. So was,
1: um, was your first offer with uh with Cole, or was it? Did you do anything else between you know the the business and and remote closing or setting?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of funny, man, because I got into this. I did get an offer, um, and I don't remember if it was a pipeline or if maybe I self sourced it. But it was a the company Sonora. It was basically like the School of Music, and um, really passionate about music, man. Like I play guitar in my downtime, and I like to play with like buddies and stuff like that. Just kind of like shut this off, you know, and. I basically, I heard about that offer and I was like, wait, 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 not only can I be in sales, but I can talk about music all day and I can like, you know, help people become better at guitar. Well, it sounded great in theory. And then I jumped on the offer and I just realized that like, I was helping these like Van Halen like prospects where they were like, yeah. dude, I mean, they were just light years ahead of me, you know? And like, um, of course the passion was there, but dude, like I, I was still like, you know, I know the bar chords and like, I'm good, but I wasn't like the level these guys were. And so I, I was just kind of like the only other thing besides this would be sales, And it was just kind of a weird opportunity where Cole was hiring. I was in a room with like 15 other people and um, I just kind of thought it was a better opportunity. So of course, I'm like, I'm old enough to not burn a bridge. I left Sonora on good terms, you know, but I was with them for about a month, went through their training, you know, I basically was working with the business owner and just thought this was just kind of a better fit. So went from Sonora and then straight to RCA.
1: Nice. So did you, so you went directly... How would I frame this? I mean, did you join RCA as like a as a client, or did you? Was it just one of the ones where we we're just like hiring and looking for like yeah, so, right away?
0: You no, know, I bought the program. Um, I spoke with Caitlin from the company, and really, it wasn't. A, I'm not a hard sell, man. Like, I, I'm kind of the guy that like I do all my research first. So you don't have yeah, to yeah. sell, me, you know. And really, the big thing for me was I knew Jared. I knew you. I really, really look up to Brian Ostermiller. I think he's just a great business leader. And it it just made so much sense. Like, I've always kind of looked at where you guys were going and what you guys were doing. And so um, I remember there was actually a day where I called Jared. It was during like like when I owned my roofing company. I was like, hey, man, I want to get back into digital marketing. You know, like, I want to know how do I get my agency going again? And he laughed at me and and he's just like, dude, I I don't, he's like, I don't do the agency thing anymore, dude. He's like, we sold those. He's like, we're all remote closers now. And that's where I was just kind of this like epiphany moment, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. I'm laughing because I like as you said that I could hear him saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I could like hear like directly hearing him quote. Um, okay, so so you you transitioned in, and so you you go through the program, and I guess what was the transition like? How would I put this? So you jump into the program. What was, what was like? What happened after that? Like, did you go through the content? Like, what was just oh, yeah. kind of the the stuff that you um you know I guess your your journey through the content after you jumped in.
0: Yeah. So I also have this like really, really obsessive personality. You know, we're like, typically, man, we see people go through this in like a matter of like a couple weeks. I think I was done in like a week and then actually like coming back at you guys and going, hey, you know, I'm ready. I want to get an offer. I want to keep role playing. And so um, really, I, I just kind of hammered through everything in about a week, week and a half and went through the content. Then that kind of rabbit holed me into like Cole's YouTube channel. And I watched all those videos and I just like just surrounded myself with all of it, man. I mean, I just kind of swam in it until I kind of had enough information and had enough of like my own abilities to go and actually get hired. No, it wasn't enough for me to like, just go straight to making pink. hay, but it was enough for me to get a better position than what I was doing. Now. What, well,
1: how, like, what would you give to someone? Cause I'm sure you, you know, you talk to now that you're, you know, in RCA and there's people that you talk to every day where you're trying to like, you know, kind of, almost lend some of that conviction and motivation to them of like, Hey, like you can see success with this as long as you put in the work. Like, is there anything like any tips you would give to someone that it might either be an RCA or even just like in their everyday life to have a little bit more like, uh, like urgency, like you, right. I know you said like having that obsessive personality, which dude, I'm, I'm 100% the same thing. Um, I recently started, um, Uh, I'm trying to get my private pilot's license. So I've just been like going super hard and just like watching YouTube videos, like going through the course material, like all that type of stuff. So any, any tips you'd give to someone to just kind of instill them with that same mindset of just like being hungry to learn.
0: Yeah. I I think it really just, like you said, it comes down to urgency, right? Like did something traumatic happen? Like trauma always really, really sparks a fire in people where, you know, it makes it more imminent. It makes it more of a priority. But I think the main thing, Aaron, is just like getting out of your own way like the, the reason most people never really start or they never really do anything is like, we all have the same goals really at the end of the day. Like we all want to make six figures. We want to travel the world, be our own boss. But the difference is like, when people like have that plan, some people take action on it and some people it's just kind of nice to have, you know? And like, they, they just start beating themselves up mentally and they're like, yeah, but a person like me, I can never do that. And I can never do sales and I can never do this. But what I always tell people, and I think this is really powerful is, uh, Everything's hard at first because everything's hard at first. You've never done it. You know what I mean? it's There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be days where you want to be like to quit. But I mean, that's the same thing in a nine to five. And and I really, um, I think it really goes back to like failure is like more expensive and more painful than regret.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I said this backwards, but no, I a hundred percent agree. It's like, <laughs> but just like the, the overall mindset of, and you know, we talk about this a lot is it all comes down to the expectations, right? It's like, of course, like in a nine to five, you don't have as much like urgency or, you know, people aren't going to be on top of you as much depending on on where you work, right? I guess it's kind of a negative situation if you're not really getting paid that much, but then you have someone up your butt all the time. But, you know, in, in that place, it's like you're getting paid a nine to five wage because you don't have to take as much action, right? As opposed to where you're, you know, you're in a position where you can make five, $10, dollars a month in income potential. It's like there's obviously going to be a little bit more work behind that of like learning the skill, doing the mock calls, doing the role plays, like doing it a lot before you, you know, can can actually make that that income, you know? So it's like you, you pick, you kind of like we said, you pick your heart, right? You pick the heart of like having to live paycheck to paycheck, or you pick the heart of doing the work so that you can live the lifestyle that you're that you're looking to. So um yeah. what what were some of the like maybe um if if there were any, you know, any like challenges that you faced when you first started going through the training and through the content and things like that?
0: Yeah. Um I, and I don't really think this gets said enough on this podcast but ego, man. Like I was in high pressure sales and you know, I used to sell guns and I, I you know, I've been uh in a lot of sales organizations where you know, your ego just gets super inflated and you want to act like you're not teachable. And again, it just goes back to like getting in your own way. Now thinking you already know everything and like you can't learn new things and there's not different methods of things to do. And I really didn't see a lot of success with this until I like really stomached that ego and realized that there were people who were making way more than me that I could actually learn from. And, you know, I could step into that role as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ego is, uh, I think the the interesting thing is I've heard the ego thing from a lot of people that have like had sales experience right or like some set success before you know there are you know more people on here that when they say they come from no sales experience like they don't have the ego but dude i was i was the same way it's like i think that like and honestly the ego thing is what held me back a lot right yeah. i think and cuz i think that's a you know a thing i'm sure that you probably faced too when you were making the transition from being a business owner into being a remote closer at least for me you know, when I had the agency and, you know, I was, I, I very distinctly remember Brian, the first time that he called me seeing if I wanted to come on, you know, come on board. Um, I had my agency and I told him, no, I was like, honestly, no, nah. I like, I'm good. I have my agency, whatever. But like, there was a little voice in the back of my head. I'm like, should I do it? Like, should I not? But it was just that ego of like, I'm a business owner and I can yeah. like, and you know, it and it just like held me back. I didn't, you know, end up jumping on for the next like eight, eight or nine months um which then i look back and it's like wow like how much further ahead could i be if i did right when the company was smaller and 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 stuff like that so you know just just to reiterate that point it's you know i, I think the the easiest way even when you are seeing success right when you are you know i think some of the most successful people even if they're making you know a million 2 million dollars you know a, a a year in their business it's like those people that if they remain humble, they get into the larger rooms, right? No one wants to talk to someone that has like a crazy amount of ego. So anyone that's listening to this, uh, keep it. What's the saying? Like check the ego at the door, something like that. (laughs) Um, okay. So what was the transition from, you know, you jumping into, so jumping in RCA and then, uh, or into the program and then finally making it onto, uh, onto our team. Like what was that process?
0: Um, really, it was just kind of that interview, man. Uh, my coach is Matt gross and Matt gross is amazing. I'm sure a lot of people know him, but really just, you know, like I said, I kind of went through it in a couple of weeks. I was really, really hungry to make it work. I was working crazy hours with my business already, but just, you know, kind of same thing, man. Like if the why is big enough, Um, And and I think this goes for like pricing as well. You know, like anyone can really afford anything that really is going to solve their problem. And we're really going to like push all the other things out of the way and make it non-negotiable if that's truly what we want.
1: Mm. Expand on that a little bit more. Like, do you have like any specific examples?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, like it's really you got to be in a season of no where, you know, like I it, I was a nice guy for like a really long time. I'm not saying I'm not nice now, but like I was so nice that like I would drop everything I'm doing for you, man, and drive an hour away and help you move or, you know what I mean? And like, those are the things that like, you got to kind of like lay it out on the line to your friends and family for a couple months that like, Hey, look, like I'm working on something that's bigger than even me. Um, There's going to be some things that I'm going to miss. And it's not that I don't love you and it's not that I don't care, but it's just, I, this is very, very important to me. And until this is really accomplished, I'm just going to be in the season of growth and there's going to be a good chance that to not hurt your feelings. Anytime you ask me something, the answer probably going to be no. So I just want to tell you now.
1: Yeah, dude, that's um that that's huge because you know, when you when we talk about like setting like healthy ba- boundaries and honestly, something that we haven't really talked about on here, maybe I can remember one specific episode where, you know, someone kind of had to cut. They literally actually know the last one with um um oh, shoot. Who was it? Oh no that was maybe two episodes anyway they were talking about how they uh they just felt really constricted in their current environment And then they ended up, uh, not only like cutting certain people out of their life, but they ended up moving (laughs) like out of their, you know, area. So it's like, they were no longer being held down by, you know, certain people. Um, so again, that's a little bit more of a dramatic example of what you're talking about, but, but that's huge, right? The power of no is, I used to be the exact same way. Like the, the nice guy of like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you do that. I'll jump on a call here, but then it's like, you cut off your time and that time can go towards other things and, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Cool, man. So I guess let's talk about like, you know, you, you jumped into the program and, and you, you, well, actually, no, I do want to talk about the interview. So how did the interview go? And then what were maybe some of your, your takeaways? Cause I think a lot of people that are currently in RCA that, you know, they, they're trying to find an offer, like maybe some best practices to, to nail the interview.
0: Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is I missed it, um, because of Matt. So I'm going to call him out on this uh, podcast. <laughs> so I hope you because. He told me the, uh, I was supposed to interview with Matei and the interview was supposed to be for two o'clock and, uh, Matt told me it was five o'clock. So I ended up missing the, uh, the interview. And then what happened was Matt, basically, you know, he got back a hold of Matei. He said, Hey man, this is totally on me. Throw Jake back on. He wants to talk with you. And I hopped on. And then like, all of a sudden there wasn't those 15 people that they were speaking about on the interview. And I asked Matei, I was like, Hey man, like, you know, what happened to all the other people? Did you end up taking any of those people? And he's like, no, none of those people got it. And, and so that really kind of like intimidated me a little bit. I was just like, wow. Like, I mean, for one, like this is like the number one sales team in this organization. So I was like, I understand the stipulations are high, but really, man, more than anything, I was just kind of honored. I just kind of went into it. I was myself. I um, really, I think on these interviews, it's more important to, you know, like, of course, like, are you going to pay me what I want? And like, is this going to be like a long-term effective game plan for me? But more than anything, I, I just really like tell people, like, get what you want if you don't believe in the company vision and you kind of get those butterflies in your stomach where like you don't really think you'll get along with the culture or the leadership seems kind of weird or you know whatever it is like all your boxes have to be checked you know like we're not trying to get like three out of five or four out of five five out of five is what you want
1: hey what's going on aaron just popping in to the episode really quickly so at this point you've already listened half of this episode so i'm assuming that you're at least somewhat interested in remote closing and how you can learn a little bit more about it so I put together a free training you can go and click the link down in the description or in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast click that link don't go watch it yet because we still have another half of the episode here of the success story of rca just open it up and just so you don't forget that you can go check out that video it's going to go over not only what remote closing is but also the four-step process of what i would do if i was starting from scratch starting over to still see a success online using remote closing. so that being said let's jump back into the episode click the link down to the below. We'll see you on the other side, dude. And that's, I think what, because I've been getting a lot of messages, you know, I'm, I'm in the school group and, you know, seeing a lot of people that, that, you know, have heard the podcast and that's the reason they jumped into RCA or whatever is I got a lot of questions of people that are saying, you know, Hey, I jumped into this offer and you know, I'm not super, super stoked about it or, you know, Hey, like, should I join this offer or this offer? And I think that's just, a um, you know, it's a byproduct of, you know, when people jump in and they just want to see quicker success, it's like they will, like you said, you know, instead of checking up all the boxes, they might say, oh, well, this is a two out of five or a three out of five. I need to start making money. Let's jump into it. Right. But what it ends up happening is, you know, as a, again, a byproduct of, Uh, you know, not checking all those boxes is you end up, let's say, wasting a month because they weren't a great fit. You couldn't get behind the product. And then you're back to square, square one. Right. So I think a a huge thing that people need to to really understand is like, this is very much so like any job interview, right? It's no different than, you know, you know, putting on a suit and going into an office. It's, you know, you need to be able to not only like, are you a good fit for them, but are they a good fit for you? Right. And when you can do that and fully get behind their product, their, their mission, vision values, um, not only would we be happier, but you will also be able to make more money because you're like fully committed into that. So that's uh yeah, I think just what you said is you know, we, people don't don't focus in enough. So um well, so uh, let's talk about like oh, go ahead. to kinda
0: to kind of add on to that real quick, man. I, I think another thing is like, you know, like we're used to getting like a nine to five type of interview where it's like we're gonna take this one interview, right? Like we're lining up people with like 10, 15, 20 different interviews with things that they're passionate and they're interested about and they always want to take that first one. And we never encourage people to take the first one because you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. That could be a way better fit just because you heard the first guy out. And so I think a lot of it's also like a scarcity type of mindset that there's not an offer out there for people. Yeah. Really, got to take your time with it, man, or else you are going to feel that unfulfilled feeling and you're going to be back in the same boat.
1: Yeah. And, and that's it's just the opportunity is, um, you know, I think because, you know, where that comes back to, I feel like is because like this, this realm, this like remote closing high ticket space, like to us, it's, there's a lot of people out there, but for someone outside looking in, they're like, what the heck is this? Like, is there actually people looking for this? And then when you really dive in and the example I always give is, you know, if you go to literally go to LinkedIn and type in like high ticket closer, there's like, I don't know, something crazy, like 20,000, 30,000 like job offers. Now, not, you know, obviously not every single one's going to be a good fit, but when you can like look at it from that volume standpoint and know like, Hey, there is opportunity out there. I think that that scarcity mindset starts to, uh, to go away a little bit. And then also you, yeah. you know, increase your skills and that helps out too. Um, yeah, of so what was your, so process going into, so you jump into RCA after the interview, what was like the ramp up? How was your first month? Let's, let's talk about that. So people, cause I think that that's, uh, you know, something that we don't talk about too much, but just, just, yeah, your overall experience of, of what it was like, the good, the bad, the ugly.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I just uh, I learned that like a lot of limiting beliefs I had around sales were actually like a lot of it was curable. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of things that like I thought were kind of external that were out of your control. But a lot of it's just data. You know what I mean? Like it's really hard to even get the data until you can work on your show rate and you can work on your volume. But once you have that then you can really go through and you can diagnose what's going on. Am I getting a lot of spouse objections? Am I not catching this on my call? Um, Do I get a lot of uncertainty objections? Do I get a lot of money objections? That tells me I'm not financially qualifying people hard enough. So it was a very, very high level overview of sales. And it was very, very intense, but I mean, I've never had anything like it, man. Like I said, I've been to a lot of sales training, a lot of sales organizations. and I've never been pushed at the degree that this training actually offers.
1: What um what are some other like takeaways? So like yeah, like obviously like the hand handling rejections and stuff, but maybe just like someone, you know, we we've mentioned expectations a couple of times. Like when someone first jumps into a company, like what should they expect in their first like 15 to 30 days? Cause l- like we we're talking about before we click record, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are like, they 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 go into these offices like all right i jumped in now i get to make $10,000 a month <laughs> it's yeah. like that's the expectation so what would for you would be the proper expectations for let's say first month and then maybe like first 90 days not necessarily monetary just what someone should overall expect
0: yeah um i would expect a grind i mean like i said you've never done it before it's a new skill if you want to make the money and really like The the money is in direct correlation of your skill set. So the better you get at this skill and the faster you can get better at this skill, then the more money you're going to make. And so I always tell people that like that first 15, 30, even 45 days is you just really, really grinding. I I mean, just really working a lot of hours, putting in a lot of time. And I think that shies a lot of people away um, because they want that 20 to 25 hours, create my own schedule type of lifestyle. And it's like, but you have to earn that. You know and and that's something that i had to go through as well was those first couple months it was a lot of grinding it was a lot of hours it was a lot of work it was a lot of dedication and then what happens is you start to develop that muscle and you learn that like this is not just about being good at the uh the skill but it's also about being efficient with the skill right otherwise you're not going to have the life that you want you know you're going to end up going to bed at 12 o'clock and waking up at like 6 a.m and starting dialing so you got to be able to block those times and i wouldn't call it balance if i called it balance brian Ostermiller would kill me so I would call it having like your uh your non-negotiables. You know what I mean? Like these are the things. I'm gonna go see my family. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna do these things, but these are the hours that I'm gonna work. And when I'm in this time frame of work, I'm gonna be very, very intentional with my. Life.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, that that really just comes back to again what you're just saying with uh with Brian. I could just like imagine him just like yeah. saying that in his <laughs> uh yeah, blue background with you like on a Zoom call in his like blue background and just can see that. Um so so yeah, so with with all of that, like um, sorry, I completely lost. There was a question that I had, but we jumped into it. Um, yeah. So I think the more or less what I was going to say is, is, like, so you go through the process, you're in, in those 90 days. Oh, I remember. So it's like, yeah, they, people have that expectation again that, you know, yeah, like I, yeah, like a lot of our ads obviously talk about like, Hey, you can live this laptop lifestyle and, and you can, right. But it's not like you, you jump into it right Aww. away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or even within the first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, it's like when you're learning a brand new skill, like you said, you, you suck at anything new that you start. So yeah. you got to, you know, really dedicate those, you know, 60, 90 days of just like hardcore grinding. And then you can start to learn some of these nuances of like, okay, you know, I, you know, I I take better calls like in the morning because I'm like really sharp or, you know, in the evening, it's like you, you spend more time there. So there's a lot of like different things and it's a learning curve, especially if you're you know, doing something from from scratch. So, yeah. I guess you know. So from that point, you know, you're so you've been on the the team for about a year. I guess what are some of the biggest like takeaways or or learning lessons that you feel like you've pulled from from that amount of time?
0: Yeah. So I mean, you start with that, right? Like you start by just putting in a crazy amount of work and a crazy amount of hours, and and really developing that skill set. But then you kind of like have this massive paradigm shift where you have to realize that like, okay, now I have to stop being paid on how hard and how long I work towards this. And I need to be paid on how efficient and how good I am at this particular skill set. Right. So that's a very big hump that you got to get over is, is really just that efficiency. You know what I mean? Um, because it is all data. And and in order for you to make more money, you just got to put up more volume and then you just got to match up the data. It's really all it is. Um
1: what's um I, I want to dig a little more and like give some something tactical for like the, you know, because you're saying like being more efficient, but like, what does that look like for you? Because just so everyone knows listening to this too, we literally mentioned this right before too, is uh, I mentioned death by by spreadsheets, right? Because we have 20, 30 different spreadsheets just for marketing of metrics and daily basis and what's going on, how many calls, how many, whatever. So I'm sure that's what you mean is like, you're tracking how many dials you're making, how many follow-ups, you know, you're having like, what does efficiency mean to you? And maybe some tactical stuff for people that are, that are in the thick of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, efficiency to me is just, um, it, it really just comes back to being intentional, right? And and having that kind of high say-do ratio, like Cole talks about where if I say I'm going to do these things, do these things that I'm actually going to do, right? Um, and really, I think um, it, it just kind of comes down to discipline, really. Like um, the, the accountability of, if you put all these things on your calendar and you don't do them, then they end up at the end of your day. And now you have like this four hour, five hour, like you said, like kind of death of spreadsheets where you're just, you're just doing all these things. So really just staying on top of it when you set something, putting that stuff in immediately. So it doesn't just become this overbearing amount of paperwork. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I think people underestimate and I was one of those people like, which kind of blows my mind too. Cause um, you know, when I had the business is I realized like looking back now, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. seeing how like in a fit, like how efficiently, you know, Cole runs it w- with spreadsheets and, you know, meetings and stuff like that. Um, you know, now I've like, I've completely 180 from, I didn't track anything when I was in my business to like, now I track everything, even into like my own personal life. Like I, I was showing this, uh, the spreadsheet to someone yesterday, cause they had a question in the, in the private community and they were like, Hey, like, what do you recommend for tracking? And I'm not, I don't feel like where I am. I'm like, I should send him a loom video. And I was like, you just got to track, you got to track how many people are you reaching out to every day? How many of those people are converting, right? And figuring out where that bottleneck is between, um, you know, between, uh, you know, from, from beginning to end, uh, he, he found it super helpful. So, um, but yeah, I, like you said, just efficiency and, uh, this going to be the name of the game. So you don't, uh, you know, cause I, I think a lot of people also do fall into that, that trap of they're like, yeah, I set the expectation. I only have to work five hours a day. But when you're first starting, it's like, you're working more than that. Like you said, with, with the grinding, um, So I know one of the biggest uh, questions that people always have in in these calls is, you know, okay, cool, Aaron, like how much money can I make (laughs) with, uh, you know, being an appointment setter? So, you know, we were talking a little bit before of just setting expectations. So um, I guess what was your, so people can kind of get a a feeling of it, like what was like maybe your average, like within the first, let's say 12 months of of monthly income. And then um, I guess commissions for the last three months, uh, because you said you were the top setter on the team for the last three months, right? Cool. So what is, what does that look like? Just so people can kind of, uh, uh, I guess see what that looks like.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, starting out, um, kind of like you said, man, set the right expectation, right? Um, you're not going to hit the 10 K your first couple of weeks. It's just rarely is that ever going to happen. Now, could it happen? Sure. It just really depends. But, um, for me, it's not the way it worked out. Like I said, the ego was a really big thing for me. That was a really hard thing to get past. And that was a very big roadblock for a while. And so what I usually tell people, cause my first month, it was like a $3,800 check Um, and, and that was really good for me because before that, with all my money going back into the business, I was only making like 1600 bucks a month, you know? So I was like, okay, well, we're doubling this. Now we're working from home. We're getting a little bit more like flexibility and control. So we're in the right direction. But then I would say just like with the ability of having your calls broken down every day, fixing the same problem on repeat is really the difference of your income going up about a thousand to 1500 bucks a month. You really really work hard and you just stay consistent. And so Um, The last couple of months I've seen a lot of success. There was a pretty big ramp up where, you know, I'm crossing right at about that like seven to eight K mark. So Aaron, I'm not over here telling you I'm a millionaire. You know what I mean? But for me, that was a massive, massive, massive like milestone because I wanted to hit the six figure mark. We're relatively right there. But I also wanted to make six figures without killing myself and working like a crazy amount of hours and doing manual labor. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that's you know, it, and it just goes back to the example of, um, you know, the way that we're, we're talking about this. I feel like uh, sometimes I like, I remind myself, like, this is like what I'm making per month just to like literally make content and, and take phone calls. Right. Like, and, and it's crazy because like you said, and, and I'm glad that you did say that of like, with the business you were making, you know, you're taking home 1600 bucks. When I, one of our, our agency was doing like at the peak of it, um, was doing like 80, 90 grand a month. But I also had, three business partners. I had, you know, we expenses, we had team, we had advertising, wow. we had all this stuff. So after all that, I was maybe bringing like, you know, three, $4,000 a month, which, you know, not bad. Right. But also, like you said, I was working 15, 16 hour days, a bunch of stress had, you know, 10 employees all like looking back at me. And it was, wow. um, yeah, it, it was just a lot. So, you know, back to what we said, like pick your heart, figure out, you know, do you want to, own the business, like the hard part is going to be like actually building the business or, you know, you got to like, just get good at sales and taking, you know, taking phone calls and getting good at that skill. And that, you know, that, that obviously comes with, with learning and, and knowing that, okay, I'm not going to start by making $10,000 a month. Um, so any, like any big, cause you, you know, you've been on the team for, for about a year. So, you know, internally we have this, um, you know, this culture that's very high performance, right? It's like you set your projections, whatever you hit, like what you say you're going to hit, you hit it. Right. So any, Any, I guess, uh, you know, words of advice for someone that is looking to, I mean, I'm sure some, some people listening to this would, you know, eventually uh, maybe jump onto the RCA team. So any, any recommendations for someone that would be jumping into um, just like a really high performance team and, and how to, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing what you need to do to see success there.
0: Yeah. So the first thing, man, is really just getting the right offer. Because here's why I feel that that's really important is because if you're selling what you actually believe in, you actually love, and you believe that will actually help the person get results, naturally, it's going to build a lot of conviction and it's going to give you really, really high energy on your calls where it's not even really about what you say at that point, it's how you say it, right? Like your tonality has so much conviction that no matter what, man, as long as you guys are coming to a consensus, you're going to be able to like come up with a solution and so I think more than anything, man, that like you can have the right words, you can have the right script, you can have the right, you know, cadence and all these other things. But like more than anything, it's all about energy. Like if you only sell as good as you feel and like if it doesn't sound good to be Jake or it doesn't sound good to be Aaron, people don't want to be you. You know what I mean? Like, but if, if it sounds like your life's really good and like the things that um, you're kind of like providing for these people is, is kind of a lifestyle that you have now, they're like, wow. Okay, this guy obviously is very, very happy. His energy is very high. He obviously knows what he's talking about. I want to be like him, right? And so I think a lot of people think that they're selling the program, or they're selling the product, but really you're selling this like idea and this vision of who this person wants to become.
1: Yeah, that's that's massive. It's like, and I think I I have from some book or uh, maybe a Grant Cardone thing or pitch anything or whatever. But um, it's like, it's so, so very little depends on what you say, but about how you say it, right? It's like two different salespeople can have the exact same script. One of them can make the sale. One of them could like completely suck. And that it just usually comes from like the confidence, the conviction, the energy, like you said, of like, you know, just having, and that you know, even I think that ties back to what you said Before of like now you're fully in this position where like you're confident you're convict you have the conviction behind okay I know RCA can change someone's life as opposed to you know with the roofs and stuff like not as no not as much confidence as that one lady kind of pointed out to you you know yeah um so so yeah I think that that's just a a big part of a lot of people too is they have to fully believe what uh, what they're selling to be able to to fully sell that and and come off with the confidence Um, anything anything else of like the the tips.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to kind of add off to ma- that, man, it's like, you know, we actually get thanked in this industry and that's, that's something of the sales professional like, you're not used to, you know, like, Hey, Jake, I actually made, uh, you know, six figures and, you know, I've only been doing this for a couple months and I was able to retire my mom or, you know, like whatever it is like that alone is also going to build the conviction and the energy and like cause you to close more deals. Like I, I can never tell you, I, I know for hundred percent fact, I can't tell you that ever anybody called me in roofing. The Jake, thank you so much for selling me a $30,000 roof. This changed my life. I'm glad I joined my bank account. You know, like it doesn't happen, man. But in this space, it totally does. Um, so just to close that out, man, like energy and conviction. But then the other thing, and I don't think this gets talked about a lot as well, but like being detached from the outcome is something we literally live by. And I think that's so, so crucial because everyone says they are. But really, at the end of the day, like if you're there to close and you're not there to serve, you're not going to make the money that you want because you're not actually helping people. And if you like push these people to the finish line, a lot of these things have money back guarantees. And so they get a refund and you're just kind of out all your time, you know. And so you only want to help the people you can help. And what that really comes down to when we talk about detaching from the outcome is asking the hard questions. Right. And if you're really kind of attached to the fact that, like, I just want to get them set, I just want to get them on the calendar. And if you could just talk to one of the closers, that stuff's gonna come up anyway, right? Like, I need to talk to my spouse or Hey man, I, you know, I think this might be too expensive for me right now, or I need to think about it. Like, those are things that like, you really want to try to break through on your call because that's going to be the reason it doesn't move forward on the next one.
1: Yeah. One, I, I want to go one layer deeper of that if we, if we can, because I think for, for us, like as you know, people that have been in the, the industry for a while is we, we, we have a good idea of how to like detach from the outcome. Right. Right. So, like any any tips that you would give to someone to like actionable things to do that. Cause you know, just to add one more little thing on that is especially when, you know, someone's first jumping in and, and they're looking at this, let's say they, you know, cut off all other income and let's say they're going full time on this, it is a little bit difficult to detach from the outcome, right? It's like when you when you're sitting in front of a prospect and that person is your ticket to rent or your your mortgage yeah. or whatever. So anything you could you can give to like just help someone detached from the outcome.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just got to realize that your closers aren't like wizards, right? Like they're still human at the end of the day. They don't have a magic wand where they can just kind of wave all the objections away because you didn't battle through them. And and that really just comes back to asking the hard questions, right? And and really just being there to serve and, and just asking smart questions as well. And also like showing a level of empathy with people, you know, like, Hey man, I get it. You know, I've lost everything. I've went through bad breakups. I understand what you're going through, you know, and just making people realize that like hey dude like my job is not to sell you this it's just figure out if it makes sense and if it does great is it something we can do now or is it something we need to game plan right and just letting people yeah. know that you're in their corner
1: yeah yeah and that's um and at the end of the day too like i think those those are great tips um but sometimes it just isn't like you said it isn't a good fit and it's not so yeah. like and when you when you can look and see like okay this really isn't a good fit but then also when you know that it would actually hurt them more to jump in than to help them then i think that will also help you like in the long run like the more times you can make the decision and help them make a decision whether it is or not for them it that just adds more to your confidence right you're like okay you're almost, you become like that, uh, like a doctor of their, their situation. Right. And it's yeah, like, if you're giving them, yeah, if you're giving them something that they don't need, it's, you know, medical malpractice, right. You don't want to do that. So, um, you know, that we, we give that, that example all the time. Um, but dude, I want to be respectful of your time. So I guess any, any last things that you would say, uh, you know, to someone that, you know, in terms of tips of success or, or whatever it may be to see success within, remote closing, not even necessarily in, in RCA, but just in general, like tips you would give to someone that's, that's just jumping into the industry?
0: Yeah. Um, so I mean the first thing, man, is like, get really clear on what you want, you know? And like, we talk about goals a lot, and we talk about these visions and these aspirations, but I think a lot of people don't really like, they, they kind of stop at this very surface level goal. Like, you know, like, Hey, I just want to make more money or, Hey, I just want to travel. But like, you're not very specific with like, how much you want to make when you want to make it where you want to go what you're going to do when you actually get there and like a big thing that builds my conviction is when i started making more money i started like i really love traveling never got to do it when i owned my company and so um i'll book the vacation first right like i'll literally just go book the plane ticket book the hotel and then i'll print it off and i'll put it on my desk and so those days where i want to quit and i don't feel it and i want to lay in bed and i want to sleep in and snooze the alarm that's my why man like that is the motivation for me is like hey man, like you already did the work, you grinded, you built the skill. Now you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And, and it's another thing that builds conviction. And so I think a lot of people want to quit when it gets hard. And when it gets hard is when we don't understand where we're actually going and why we're doing it.
1: Yeah. And that, that comes back to a quote that um, you know, I always talk about, right? If someone's like having a rough time and they're not really where they want to be, or they just feel like a little bit and again, this is a direct quote, but when someone's like in funk, right, it's usually because of one of two things. Number one, they don't know what they want. Number two, they don't know how to get it. Right. Because if you know how to get something right, it's like, you're going to take action because you know, like what you're going to do. So like that takes that, that out that equation. But like you said, it's like, they have such surface level goals to where if you don't actually know what you want, but you know how to do it, you're not actually going to do it because you don't know what you want. Right. And it's not giving wow. you that the motivation to get to that, that end goal. So I think that's, that's huge, right? Just take it, uh, chunk down, if you will. Right. It's like, okay, what's your goal? I want to make more money. Okay. Why do you want to make more money so I can travel? Okay. Why do you want to travel? Because I've wanted to do it for such a long time. Why have you wanted to do such a long time? Because I wasn't able to do it when I was younger. Right. And it's like figuring out, okay, the reason I'm taking these calls is so I can do something that I wasn't able to do when I was younger and blah, 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 you know? Um, so dude, I'm going to, I'm going to do a quick outro here, but I want you to think about, um, just the last thing is, You know, either another tip that you'd have, or also like what you would say to someone that is on the fence of jumping into remote close—not necessarily into RCA, but just into remote closing in general. Right? Maybe they've tried a million different things in the past, and they've tried digital marketing, they've tried building their own business. Just uh, a recommendation you'd give to them to like help them change their mindset that. Remote closing and sales in general isn't going anywhere. So just some think about just something for for a takeaway as I do this outro really quickly. So um, for those of you that are still watching up to this point, is uh, you're probably somewhat interested about appointment setting or closing. <laughs> and um, so that being said, you know obviously in these these episodes we try to tell more of the story of the person that comes on. But uh, if you do want to watch a little bit more of a just a step by step of what remote closing is, how to get started. Um, It's actually a video I put together relatively recently. It's about 45 minutes and uh, it will just give you pretty much the four step process of not only how to find these, these opportunities, Um, but also how to, um, you know, to reach out the right scripts to use and actually ultimately see success um, within the remote closing. So uh, full transparency, there is uh, at the end of the, at the end of it, I do have an offer of like, Hey, if you want to work closer with us and you know, you want us to hold your hand through the whole process, then, you know, we can talk about what that looks like, but you can very simply watch the video, grab a, you know, note sheet of paper and, and a pen and take notes on uh, on what you can do to actually get started within, uh, you know, as an appointment center or a closer. So that being said, first link down in the description below uh, on the show notes and the YouTube channel, you can check that out. But uh, Jake, last words, what you got?
0: Yeah, man, so and I think kind of what you're talking about is like shiny object syndrome. And I hear it a lot on calls, you know, like people are like, oh, Jake, I can't do this because I tried the affiliate marketing, I tried the drop shipping, I tried the wholesaling, you know, whatever it is. And um, I think the big thing is, you know, like, The way that I kind of look at like, you know, and especially if you got burned on something, right? Like, let's say that like one of those paths didn't work out. And now like it's burned your whole belief of like, if you can even make money online or if you can even be successful, I think it really just kind of boils down to, um, I guess, really just having the right vehicle, of course. And um, also just being able to realize that like, it's kind of like restaurants. And I've heard a couple of salespeople say this. I really like this analogy. There's restaurants where like they have the best steak in the world and nothing's going to happen you bring your whole family there you bring all your friends it's a great restaurant but then unfortunately there are those places that advertise and they look the exact same but you went in and you got food poisoning right and so the reason i say that the reason i think that's super powerful is it doesn't mean that like the whole industry is corrupt or the or the whole like system is broken you may just found a broken system and i really believe that failure doesn't exist if we just keep getting up and just keep trying
1: yeah yeah trying and and just calculated risks, right? It's like, if you look at, you know, there, there's one thing to compare, like, let's say RCA to like a different, you know, program out there, but it's like, you gotta, it, you know, if you do a little bit of research and see like, okay, RCA, they've worked with a couple thousand people. They have hundreds of testimonials, 800 five-star reviews. Like at that point, it's like, you, you start to, there, there's more than, there's more behind it than just like this person saying, I can help you, right? Or I'm the best steak restaurant, right? It'd have the actual, uh, you know, stuff behind it to prove it. So, um, dude- yeah. Go ahead. Was there one thing you would say?
0: Um, yeah, man. I'll, I'll add in one more thing for you. Um, so, I, And I think this is a big thing too. And these are just things that I hear on my calls. So these are kind of why I'm trying to like throw these at you. But I think a lot of people think that like I can't become a sales expert or I can't get good enough at sales where I can go make six figures. And one thing one of my mentors told me when I actually got into this space that I thought was really powerful was, it's there's literally like an 80-20 rule. And the 80% is 50% of this is the discipline and the energy and the mindset and mentality of you waking up and doing the work, right? Um, and then the other 20% is actual tactics of you being good at sales. The other 10% is things that are external that kind of fall out of your control and sometimes they fall in your favor or sometimes they don't. And so what that means is 50% is doing the work, 20% is actual tactics.
1: Yep, there you go. And, and I think so many people just overcomplicate that too. <laughs> it's like, it's not... It's not rocket science, you know. As, as long as you have, you know, what you're selling, you have the script, you have everything in front of you. It's just a matter of of taking action and and uh, you know, obviously, asking feedback too of like what you can improve on. So, um, dude, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, you know, I think people listening to this will definitely get a ton of a uh, value, and we you know got pretty tactical, so that was I think it'll help a lot of people. And uh, you know, obviously, if you know if you go through the the training that you know we have in the description, uh, there's a good chance you'll talk to uh, to Jake here as he brings you over and uh, and gets you on into into. RCA. Um, if that's, you know, if you want a little bit more help. So, uh, that being said again, Jake, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, if you guys have any questions, nice. let us know down in the comments, leave a comment, all that good stuff. And, uh, Aaron here for the remote closing Academy podcast. We'll see you guys in the next one. Talk soon. Peace.